Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Hey, folks, you're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess. This is show number 61. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365. And uh, if you want to do the audio only, you can go to callthatgirl.podbean.com or the video only at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. I've been having a lot of success with the videos here, so I, uh, I'm going to try to start engaging with some screen shares and stuff. I've um, been doing this uh, video training with uh, Matthew Rodella. It's called the Computer Business Breakthrough, and we have been doing all of our videos for this uh, video training on the Zoom product I'm using right here, and it's it's super easy to upload to YouTube when you're done, so I've been trying to get all my guests to be on camera, and so far it's working out pretty good, so the marketing is on both, my website, the, the audio, and the YouTube, but uh, I just think that there's going to be more to share with screen sharing, and I think so it'll be a lot better for the show moving ahead. So um, if you are the type that likes to download and listen to the podcast, I will kind of let you know beforehand, uh, this is a screen share thing. So you can check it out later on YouTube or whatever, just to give you guys a little heads up there. Um, I also have changed the office 365 page on my website to just have the current show. And then I'll just promote that out on the social media and all the other stuff. And then I'll have a link called past shows that has all the extra stuff. So if you want to go check out anything from the past, that's where that will be. I kind of like the little swap up. I did the show though. It's kind of kind of been fun here. And with uh, my past few guests, things have been ramping up a little bit. So I've been working on getting some new guests to come on. And uh, my next guest is going to be a SharePoint expert from App River we're going to dig into a lot of things about SharePoint. And that's why I want the screen share because we're going to be doing it on my SharePoint site. And then after him is another uh, SharePoint expert from Australia. And this guy is like, um, I don't want to say his credentials are different than the guy from App River. He has his own business and I think does a lot of different work outside of SharePoint. He's a, uh, He's, he's quite involved with the Microsoft MVP world and and uh, all that stuff. But I, so is the guy from App River, so I don't want to discredit him at all. <laughs> well, before we do that, let's go ahead and thank our friends at App River for sponsoring the show. And they are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, they do all my sales support. I am a partner with them. So if you're interested in working with a vendor, uh, the benefits of working with a vendor are that they are your backup. So if you do the partner plan, basically you just sign up and you have your own sales portal and then you um, go and create all the sales yourself. And if you need help, your sales rep can help you. And then you pretty much do all the work. Well, if you need backup for like the little stuff, I have my clients call them directly and that saves me from, you know, lots of little things and the night and weekend support if I'm not around and I've trained all my clients to call them for certain things. I think a lot of techs fear they're going to lose out on money, but it depends on your business. You know, if you're not doing reselling, having a partner is nice because they can be your backup. I still sell plenty of prepaid tickets with my upper clients. So it's, I'm not really worried about that. The reselling is what a lot of Carl and I spoke about last week on the show is, you know, if you want to build it into your sales funnels and everything else and just have the monthly bill to the client's, 
to me, and I don't want to resell. I already discussed that with Carl. I just am really interested in just having the, the least amount of administrative work right now. But in the future, I might go to a managed service. We'll see. I have to think about that. Uh, so if you didn't check out the last show with Carl Palachuk, he's uh, the MSP like internet guy and we had a really good show and um, we've discussed a lot of those things and it gave me a lot to think about for 2017, but I'm not sure yet. So I got to sit down and really lay out the groundwork for that because it would dramatically change my business. And I know I could cut people over in time, but Still just makes me kind of nervous thinking about it. But so anyway, either way, I would have AppRiver if I was to resell because I just don't want to work with Microsoft directly. And I think there are techs that do, and that's great, but I like having the backup. All right, here, folks, before we get started on the topic this week, which is my Outlook training videos, I'm going to talk a lot about that. And it's going to be all interesting things for you guys to learn, I think. But I did have a few jobs uh, it's funny, I kicked off August with a great busy two weeks, and then all of a sudden last week kind of sucked, and it was slow, but I take the slow weeks as a time to uh, really work on other things, you know, that you have to do during the day. So I kept myself busy all the time. It wasn't bad, but it was a lot of prepay ticket work, and I, I kind of like the prepay ticket work for that reason. It keeps me busy when it's slow, and uh, it was probably about half. But, you know, at the end of the week when I was doing all my audit, I was like, oh, my God, half my tickets were prepaid. So that kicks me in the butt for next week to get on to my sales. Because sometimes you can get, um, what is it called, lackadaisical, where you're like, nah, I don't want to worry about sales. I'm depressed It's slow. Well, once you do your audit, you're kind of like, oh, all right, I better get on it. So got 10 days left of the work month, something like that, and. You know, I'm not down in sales. I just would like to see more. <laughs> so kind of kicked me up a little bit to, to start working on my upsells and pay attention to those little things because, you know, you, you can forget about them at the end sometimes. But one of the jobs I did this week was uh, one of my clients didn't understand the prepay ticket. So it helped him. Uh, you know, some people, believe it or not, can actually have four legitimate hours of Outlook troubleshooting which it doesn't happen a lot, but for this client, it was. And the reason why he called me in the first place is because another technician had taken all of his pop folders for four different email accounts and put them up on IMAP, and it really messed up his whole situation. So he called me to kind of straighten all that out. And uh, the first uh, appointment we had was about an hour and 45 minutes. I got it all cleaned up, but we still had a lot of work because he had all these old OST files and things that were all broken and we didn't fix it in that session or delete them rather. So then we did another appointment and that one was, I think an hour and 25 minutes. So my, my hourly rule is this one hour minimum. Well, the, so his first call was one hour and 45 minutes. So I was nice. And I said, we'll put that 15 on another ticket. And then the next call came. So I build him more time and then, well, he had like a half hour credit total at the end of that second appointment. And I said, I'll credit you there too. And then I said, for your third appointment, so you have 30 minutes credit. So I'm not screwing him in any way. I'm being very, you know, uh, uh, appropriate with his time. And then <laughs> it's just, I don't like talking about clients this way, but he was so funny. The, the next time he tried to book an appointment, he booked a prepay on my scheduler because 
he had the 30 minute credit, which I told him to do. But then he sent me this huge laundry list of problems that he still had. And he was uh, kind of saying that he expected all that to be done in, in a time frame. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm just going to let you know that with that list, I cannot get that done in 30 minutes. There's just no way. I said, so we're going to have to collect for another hour and I'm going to need to reschedule you actually too, because I already know it's going to go over the hour. <laughs> and I mean, just when people send their lists, you know what kind of work you're going to be doing. And uh, I think he was just irritated that I had to reschedule him for that first one. So then uh, he said, that's fine. I'll give you another credit card, whatever. And during the appointment, uh, it was an hour and a half. It was a full hour and a half, but we got that thing tight. I mean, it was tight, done. And uh, at the end, you know, he was at, I don't know, three billable hours. I mean, that's it. And he said, and I said, well, so moving ahead now, if you got any little questions, this is how I close all my jobs, you guys. I said, so moving ahead, this, this is all paid for and done. Moving ahead, anything new is a new ticket. And he said, that's fine. I understand that. And I said, so even like a 15 minute call is going to be one hour minimum. I said, and at this point, this is when I tried to sell the prepaid tickets, right? And he said, well, um, you know, or, or I said rather, so I do sell the prepaid tickets. And he's like, well, why don't you tell me about the prepaid tickets in the beginning? Well, I don't, I try to sell the prepaid tickets in the beginning sometimes, but some people don't want them and I don't push them to buy it. It's, it's, they don't have to. And I told the guy, I said, well, I don't know why, but uh, this was a project actually, in my opinion. And the prepaid tickets are supposed to be for people that need quick help, 15 minutes help. I mean, that's what the point of them are is to, so I don't have to do all that. And I've really gotten in the habit of not selling a prepaid ticket to a, a project client until the end. So that's probably why I didn't. Because it doesn't matter, um, you know, so his bill was three hours and he would have got the last hour for like 80 bucks or something. But to me, that job was done. Now you get a prepay. And he was a little upset and he was like, I wish I would have known that in the beginning. I said, well, either way, you still didn't lose any, you know, money. And that's just how I do it. And, and so I, I kind of like felt like, did I screw it over? I'm like, no, because that's my policy is, you know, I'd. I, the reason why I don't do the prepay in the beginning is then a lot of people do want the tiny short appointments. And that really was a project. It really was. And when you're trying to quote out uh, help desk work versus a project, you have to do it appropriately. Anyway, so the thing is, I try to sell these tickets in the beginning. And sometimes I've screwed myself by doing that too. You know, um, sometimes you don't want to offer a prepay ticket to a client at the end of a project. And this guy will because he was really just a nice guy. But I've learned with working with some clients that bought prepays that it was a, not always the best sale for me. You know, they should buy it by the hour. So anyway, uh, then I picked up a migration that uh, I remember in the last show, you guys, I said, send an email if you wanted the forms. Well, I was hoping that this project was going to turn into an awesome, uh, I could use these new forms, but it didn't end up working that way. So I'm not to try to use them on another big job. But uh, this job ended up going, the quote ended up being wrong because we had a miscommunication. The, um, the client said we want to do 24 mailboxes, five VIP level, which I've been using this new terminology 
VIP level means you get the all-inclusive rock star migration, like end or beginning to end. And that's 250 mailbox. And they said, we only want five of those and the rest can all be online, which if the rest are online only, then that doesn't need VIP level. There's no desktop configuration, no this, that, and the other thing. And um, I was like, cool. So then I gave you, I gave them a different quote for the other, what, 19 mailboxes. And I said, so pretty much with the online, you're just going to get instructions. We're going to do everything over the cloud, the migration work. Uh, the new people can log in. I'll give the phone instructions, a YouTube video. And just at the last minute, they said they misunderstood me. I misunderstood them. And now it's all 24 people need a VIP migration, which is awesome. But I'd already quoted them. Luckily, the uh, assistant who's in charge of all of this She's very awesome and very technical, I think. So she's going to help me. She's going to be the desktop tech for the migration. <laughs> so I said, and plus, I, I've known this gal for many, many years. So I was like, yeah, what the heck, you know, uh, it's not a loss. It's just, uh, it's just changed a lot. So if this was a regular company, you know, I would have said, well, then we have to requote you because I couldn't have lost that much because I have my prices set for a reason, you know. And it's not really too often that you get somebody on the desktop level at the location to help me. Most of the time, I'm doing it all myself. And with 24 users, I would have needed um, Rob to help for sure and maybe a third tech. That's a lot and to do them full, you know. So anyway, I uh, could not use my forms this time, dang it. But I was hoping. Um, but I did make them and they, they, I have used them for other stuff. And I hope that the people that got my forms liked them. Nobody gave me feedback, but uh, people have to use them sometimes too. And then this last week, what I did like was I happened to get a few little Office 365 aftercare calls. Most of these calls, I'll just let you guys know as a little tip for your marketing, is that people are actually looking for an Office 365 expert after they get a migration done with a company because that company doesn't know the little extras, the fine tuning. And I mean, I'm getting the work nationally right now, but it's not like a lot, but I think what's happening is the technicians are not doing the little tiny stuff at the end. So that's something you guys want to consider is um, what I've said before is make a list of questions that people ask you at the end that you don't do in your migration and make a list and try to figure out maybe you need to start learning those questions and raise your rates so you can do it all like I do in an all-inclusive, okay? So one of the jobs that the, the clients called in with was um, a lot of them is having to do with calendars and contacts. And calendars and contacts can be really, really, really uh, scary to deal with because before I do anything, I back everything up, right? I export everything to a CSV file. I actually sometimes even double back up to a PST file. And sometimes I even make sure that the computer's backed up if I'm really, you know, just wanting to make sure. Because it can be uh, scary if you're going to have to like wipe off all the contacts off an, an exchange server and then let the server sync and then import everything back in and hope to goodness everything is okay. <laughs> this can be very scary. But um, that's the kind of work I do all the time. And uh, I'm not worried about it anymore. I do it pretty good. So if you guys aren't at that level of being comfortable with something, you should not do it. That's what I tell people. It took me many years to get to know 
all these little, you know, little fine tuning things. And sometimes it's better to say to a client, well, here's what we do in our migration. And anything after that, you know, we're not going to be able to assist because it's not in our scope of work. We have a referral for you, which could be me or somebody else or whoever else you want to work with. Or you find somebody in your team to do all those questions and bill them. You know, you can bill those people. That's why my migration rates went up. They used to be 150. Well, it went up to 250 as soon as I started making those surveys and started doing all the extra stuff that I found people needed to have done. And so then when my migrations are over, uh, well, not over, like let's just say they're done for the migration day, then what I'll do is I schedule time for aftercare the next day. And those people, since I've done such a good job, their questions are very, very quick. And that makes it to me a great migration. And, uh, you know, that's what hopefully makes the clients happy and refer you or buy your prepays and keep moving on. So I did a few of those jobs, though, and those people, because they're already in an aftercare state, uh, they usually do buy prepays, but because I was such a lazy butt this week, I didn't sell many <laughs> or whatever. I wasn't paying attention, obviously. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, now the topic of the show this week is my Outlook training videos, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to go, eh, that's boring to listen to. But I'm going to try to explain these videos to you and talk to you about it in your business so you can understand why I made them and why you need them and why your clients need them and how you can make money and not feel threatened that you're going to turn your clients into Outlook experts because that's not going to happen, you guys. So before I get into the videos, I want to show you something here. So I'm going to do a, a, a video shot here. This right here, this little nugget, is my very first ebook. Well, book I wrote, okay? It was my computer lab manual from my college in 1996. I think it was 96 or maybe 97. That uh, when I worked at the computer lab, kind of just going to show it again. It just gets such a little kick out of it. Job responsibilities. <laughs> anyway, the um, at the school when I was the lab attendant, I kind of like forced myself to be the supervisor because I was older. And I don't think a lot of people understood that worked at the work study program what, you know, uh, the, the job description was and how to troubleshoot. So I created that little manual. And the manual to me was more, it was more of a project for me. I love doing it. And, I, and Microsoft Word was just fresh uh, with the office program with um, Windows 95. A lot of the lab attendants there were just work study people that didn't even know computers. So I spent a lot of time on this manual and I remember being so proud of it at the end. And I remember that's the only copy I made and I sat it at the top of the desk and nobody ever used it, which is really common for training manuals. And the only time people seem to want to read a book is because they actually have to learn the fine details of software or something or their coding or developing, right? And so I found that this little book never got used, but I kept it because I knew it was my work I was so proud of. Well, scoot along the years, through all the years, I, um, in college, I did a lot of writing. I had a column in the, <clears throat> the school uh, newspaper that was kind of like Sex in the City, but before that came out, and I, I just wrote about uh, parties, bars, just stuff like that. And I had a lot of, you know, writing experience. I wrote as a conversational writer, not as a formal English writer, you know, whatever. 
I talk typed basically. And then after college, I worked on a few underground publications and did some fun stuff. And then I started my job in the corporate world. Now in the corporate world, I didn't really like reading the manuals because I didn't understand half of it. But I think I kind of started finding my niche is when I worked at um, Honeywell when we all had to get Six Sigma. And I loved the processes behind Six Sigma, but I hated writing the, the tech, I don't know, the documentation, the knowledge base stuff, all the stuff we had to do on it. I really liked more writing out the processes. That's what my thing was. And so I gave the head of security who was on my uh, Six Sigma um, our, uh, our certification. He got to do all the tech writing. <laughs> I was like, let me do the fun stuff, which was the organization of it. But after that, I got my certification and really the Six Sigma has done me nothing, you know, for my career, except I got to uh, enjoy working with a big group of people. That was fun. But I just realized I like doing that stuff, right? So then moving along, I, I really didn't do any writing for any, uh, any companies until I worked at the Mayo Clinic. And we started, um, well, not we, but they had had a knowledge base in the Remedy software program that we used. And so when uh, errors would come up from a client or uh, end user, you can go into the knowledge base, type it in, and other people's answers that work there should come up. But Outlook was really not well liked there. So people didn't spend the time to fill the knowledge base, which bummed me out because I loved Outlook. So I spent a good portion of my time there writing knowledge base articles. And luckily, because I suck at writing, they had um, people that worked on the knowledge base team that actually took what I wrote and made it into a real knowledge base article. So when people found it, you know, all they would say is the appropriate writing and then credit to me. And I had tons of entries. Trust me. I love writing articles. I just really just like fixing stuff. And then I like sharing it. So that was another little thing I like doing. And then, I don't know, I'm trying to think back. Um, I don't think I did any serious writing uh, until after call that girl got going. You know, I, I did write a lot for my own business. And in 2007, 8, and 9, it's when social media kind of got really like, you know, was really up and coming. And um, I had people that were uh, seeing out in the social networking, right, face-to-face. -face. They're like, you should write a book on it. I was like, God, you know, I probably could. I know enough about it to write a little book, right? And uh, I remember it was in January of 2010 that I just decided to start writing it. I, you know, obviously must have had time. And um, you know what? When you decide to write an ebook and you've never done one officially, you go Google things how to write an ebook, how to do this, how to do that. And um, finally, I, I found an editor. And here's the, the main problem with the editor is that she didn't understand social media. So she didn't understand the content. She's trying to correct me on social media. And I was halfway through the book. I'm like, stop trying to figure it out. You don't know it. This isn't your job. Your job is to edit what I wrote. So it doesn't sound like shit. And then after that, she was like, oh, I got you. Uh, she's like, I'm not trying to figure out what you're writing. I said, no, just make sure it does. It sounds right and it's spelled correctly. And I have the right commas, you know. Okay, so then this little nugget. Screen, I'm showing it on my video here. This is my Call That Girl's Guide to Social Media. This was actually the only copy that I've ever gotten print. 
and we got it off Amazon. Uh, I did put it up on Amazon for a short while, but you know, it, I have the PDF that you guys can buy. It, it looks exactly the same. This is my other little pride and joy. I do have one little published ebook that came off of Amazon, and that was fun. But after that ebook came out, you know, I sold that to uh, my social networks, and you know, I think I don't remember what I sold it for 15, 20 bucks or something. And that kind of got um, exciting. And I was on um, Technible and I had launched it there too. And when people start to see people write content, then they want you to write more content. Oh, I got a phone call here. Sorry, I can't talk. Sorry. They, they notice that you, you've already written content and they want you to write more. So it was only like two months later that people started seeing on when I was talking about my manual of operations on Technable, because I had one, they were like, well, can we have it too? And I said, well, you can have it, but you know, maybe I should sell it. Cause it was like, it took us a couple, three years to write that manual. It was for the company and it was edited many times. And, um, and people actually said, well, I'll pay you 25 bucks for it. I'll use it as a template. I was like, hey, perfect idea, because then you can do what you want with it. So I did uh, take a copy of my manual. I took out some of my proprietary information and put it up as a template, and I sold that. Uh, I didn't really have a website at the time. I just had a, um, they had just sold it on Technable to people that just emailed me. And then came the big book. People were like, well, now we want to know when you're going to write a book about remote support, because that was the big thing I was always talking about, because I just didn't... Uh, like doing the hardware and the office stuff. So I worked on my first remote support ebook and that took, um, I think it didn't take long to write the first version, but the first version really did suck. <laughs> I sold a lot of books. And after that, I decided to write a second edition right away with a more clear head, which can happen because the excitement was there. Right. So the second edition uh, took me about six months to make. I redid it. It was awesome. It was the most popular one. I did that one for a long time. And then finally, I got more requests for more changes in remote support. And I said, you know what? It's time to make a third edition. And I'm going to make this one, and I'm going to sell that with the second edition. So really, you, the second and third edition are like 150 pages total. It's pretty brutal. I mean, it's big. And I give out tons of little tips and tricks and all these little things. I mean, it's just it was really the pride and joy of my life to write that book, to be honest with you. Okay. So then that book was done. And then I decided to write um, another little ebook called um, uh, how to do exchange migrations. And that was just because I was getting people that were asking about how to do them. So that one never really sold well, but it's part of my bundle. And I think a lot of people have read it. And then uh, after that, I came out with the little SEO for WordPress book because I, I'm successful with doing that. So I made, that's a little book. It's only like 11 pages, but it's so detailed down to the instructions on how to do it, that there's nothing really to learn except how to do it. So that's why I didn't take a lot of, uh, you know, content to get that done. And then finally, my 60 book was how to start a computer repair business. And I wrote that book over the uh, holiday season when I was down in the Florida, I wasn't in the Keys then. I think I was in Miami in a hotel. <laughs> I was at a Holiday Inn at Christmas, and I said, you know what, I, 
I had nothing else to do. I decided to write this little ebook. I pumped that out in like three days, but actually it was a blog set. And I worked on the blog set and then I finally got all of them done. And um, I think about a year later, I switched it over to uh, an ebook and sell it with my set now. So my full set is the Call That Girls publication, six ebooks, and you get all of them for 49 bucks. Well, now let's backtrack a little bit, okay? So I decided um, a couple of years ago that I wanted to do some live webinars for Microsoft Outlook. And I thought, techs need to know this. I was initially going for the tech audience, right? And I, I spent a, um, some time. I couldn't figure out the right itinerary. Then I figured it out. And I went online and tried to sell them. And only two people signed up. And I sent it out to, I don't know, I think my whole newsletter list, 1,600 people, something like that. I was kind of bummed out because I'm like, okay, obviously, if only two people want this, it's not selling like it should be. Or I'm doing it wrong. Or no one wants live. Or they wanted, a lot of people asked if they could record it. Because technicians really are trying to build work all the time, right? They want to build their hours. They don't want to be watching a video during business hours. I get that. So I took that as a big learning lesson that I think people wanted it. It was just wrong how I was doing it. So this was, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. And I said, okay, I'll table it. And then I did some changes. I, I thought I was going to do uh, an Office 365 webinar also. Honest to God, though, Office 365 changes so much that I don't even know how anybody offers training for it. It would have to be like a subscription-based podcast just for that to keep up with all the changes. I mean, it, it's just so crazy. One day you're logged in, then something's there, and the next day it's not, and you got to go find it. It's like that all the time. So I kind of gave up on the Office 365, and actually I had, uh, I think, 12 uh, modules already set up and done and then I saw another change come in, and that's when I gave up, threw my hands up, I surrender. I just know I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to keep up, and it would bother me, and it would frustrate me. So I tabled all the training, right? And then I kind of went back to the idea about the training, and I thought about some other stuff, and then I hired this coach last uh, summer, or sorry, last winter. And I've talked about this on a, a couple shows now. At the very end, he said, at the very end of our coaching, he said, Lisa, you need to sell videos to your clients as an upsell because you need to have more revenue coming in that is like, you know, prepackaged. And I said, yeah, I've been thinking about these videos for a long time. In fact, I actually had the whole itinerary almost done, right? And then he also said, and I also think that you need to start doing some marketing coaching because I think you really have your true love for doing that. So I had two takeaways from this marketing coach or, or this coach. He wasn't a marketing coach. He was just a business coach. I said, good ideas. So now I'm going to work on those in time. And uh, I think a few months left. What was it? Two months had went by. And then Matt and I started getting into our the computer business breakthrough videos. And I was like, I need to get my butt in order and get these videos done. Okay. So. Initially, the videos were created to sell the clients after a job or to whatever. That was really the only goal. But then as I got making them, um, I, the first thing I had to do with the videos was I had to go through the itinerary of what I was going to teach. And I had to, I think I went through 
at least two or three different full changes of everything. I reorganized it. I redid it. I redid it because I'd be like frustrated. Like that doesn't make sense. That has to be in that order. And I think I eventually, I had three videos and I moved it to nine for a reason. I learned that anybody, technicians, clients, whatever, they, they need to learn in a chronological order what I want to teach. They need to have them in short video snippets because everybody is so busy these days and has ADD and OCD and ADHD that all they can really do is pay attention for is like one or two minutes at best. But I had to make them longer than that. So I did try to keep them under 10 minutes-ish, right? Okay, so I made the videos in, in a way that they were technical, but not too technical. So I know a technician would easily watch these and go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I learned that. I learned that. I didn't know that. And a client would actually, that uses Outlook all the time, would go, oh, I know that. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I've always wanted to know that. And I made these videos with for the mindset of both technicians to learn and for clients to learn. And I know a lot of technicians absolutely that don't know Outlook very well are going to love these videos because they're the ones who are going to probably watch them a few times because they're going to learn from it and go, oh, now I could help my clients with that or I didn't know I could do that and they're going to need that. And the, the, the training was set up for the end users, like the clients to just be a bonus to their life because they work in Outlook all day long. You know, so it's kind of like they, they now know their product a lot better. So I made the video short and people can log in, watch the one video, go practice it and leave and come back, you know, and they won't forget that hopefully because I want them to practice. That's the point, right? They learn it, practice, come back. Now, I've had some technicians that said, well, why do I want to teach my clients how to fix things themselves? Not call me then. I said, no, you don't understand. These are not technical videos for, they're not, they're not Outlook training videos for technicians to learn how to be an Outlook troubleshooter. So that is not what these videos are for. They're for, they're maybe for the techs that don't use Outlook, that want to learn it and can maybe put it on their website that they know it a little better or you know, just to be more familiar with Outlook. So when they get a call, they're not like deer in the headlights. I don't know what I'm doing. I cover everything from basics to more advanced to super advanced to exchange to email marketing or not email marketing, uh, email management. And I do a whole video, like almost 15 minutes long on email management. I mean, this thing is just really robust. So the goal of these videos is to sell to clients and I want to sell to technicians who want to learn. And then I also want to sell to technicians and MSP type companies and SMBs that do migration work for clients that want to offer training to their clients as a aftercare. Um, one thing Brian Mayo and I talked about in a couple shows ago was that we're great at landing the sale, doing the work, doing the migration, and poof, we're done. Then what? How do people get trained on what they just spend all this money on? And even myself, I'm, I was guilty of it. That's why I made the videos. I mean, at the end, I would, I actually tried to sell training to people, but they wouldn't buy it because it was so expensive. So now I made an affordable solution for people to say, oh, okay, yeah, for 50 bucks, I can buy that, you know? So my clients, um, it's 50 bucks 
for the selling price for the videos. And then um, a technician can buy it for $50 to watch themselves too, but I'm going to give you guys a code. You can also buy it as a, as a bundle for like the whole, um, for your whole company. You can host it on your own server, put it up on your own website. These videos are not branded call that girl. So you don't have to be afraid that they are, you know, going to be, the clients are going to call me. Okay. There's one little tiny spot in the video that I had to use the call that girl.biz domain for the exchange videos, but I, I, I used a nice mailbox name and hopefully no one will catch it because they won't be paying attention to that part. But the, the goal is for a technician like MSP companies to go buy the videos, host them themselves, buy it for one price. Then they can give it away. They can sell it. They can do whatever they want. But I have a feeling that the break fix techs might want to do my affiliate plan, which means they can sell it and earn money where the MSP and the other companies are just going to use it as a giveaway or an incentive to close the sale on a migration. We have training videos from an outlook expert. We know that you guys can all have, and I hope that makes sense. So really what I really want is for people to have the, the option to after a migration and especially after upgrading people to 2013, because a lot of people are on 2010 and 2013 has a lot of new little bells and whistles and stuff, right? So the, the, the upgrade is the first reason. And the second reason is that they just, you know, uh, it's an incentive to close the deal with the training. And that's what I'm going to be doing with my stuff too. I'm maybe not going to sell my, my videos to my migration clients. I might just say, Hey, maybe to close the deal to make sure I win it, I'll say, and I'll give you guys all a set of my videos which other companies aren't going to do offer the videos, right? So think of it that way. It's a little upsell. It's a little nice. Um, I am going to re, uh, excuse me, affiliate sale these videos too. So let's say you guys, whatever your company is, you do a lot of newsletter work and a lot of uh, social media and you want to sell the videos for me, it's 50% commission. And I have, a, I have everything set up. Matthew Riddell did my WordPress site for me. The affiliate plugins are great. All the tracking is all on the website, so you can go put your affiliate link out there. You could bit.ly it, whatever, and people will click on it, see the marketing page, go buy it, and then you earn $25, and I'm going to be strict on that across the board. Uh, if you want to do a discount, I think you can just tell me, and I could set up a discount code so it comes out of your commission, but it might give more. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so anyway, I hope that explains the videos. Um, real quick here, I'll just mention that, uh, I've had a few people say, well, I watched the basic ones and that was kind of it. And I'm like, yeah, you got to kind of watch more than the basics. Cause I only did the basics to show people what the new office 365 stuff does in there pretty much. And to sign in and what all that stuff is. And I don't go through the fluffy stuff, how to start an email and how to attach stuff. I skip all of that. I don't do any of that basic, basic stuff. So Watch the basics, go to the advanced, and that's where the juicy stuff is. Then the super advanced, I get into cool stuff, you know, all these neat things and just little stuff, you know. And then uh, the exchange is where I think the bonus is going to be for the technicians who want to, uh, you know, to resell it or buy it as a, a purchase because that, um, the exchange, the two videos is really nice. It covers all the benefits. I talk about the phones, what syncs, what doesn't, all these little nuances. And uh, that's really the, like I said, the bonus there. 
And then the email management tips is just kind of like a quick 15 minutes. So it's really neat. It's what I normally would teach a client in four hours, but I have to go through the steps with them very slow usually. And I do get a lot of people that want to be trained on email, but um, that's just kind of the quick and dirty version. Okay. So for the folks listening, uh, I've also been asked uh, again about this office 365 stuff. And I'm going to tell you that once I get these videos out and marketed and on their way, I've got two more things I might do. One is um, an Office 365 administrator video. It'd probably just be one or two videos too. It wouldn't even be big. For technicians that are new to kind of learn all the little stuff that I did because I haven't seen that out there and I know this stuff pretty well. Or... Uh, make an Office 365 training for end users. Eh, I know. And that scares me because it changes so much. But uh, the Office 365 one would not be a very expensive video. I mean, it would literally be almost like a, a bonus giveaway. But I, I, I think I can make those pretty quickly now because I've learned how to make videos. <laughs> that was a lot of work making those videos, you guys. But anyway, so I'm thinking about doing those two. And then uh, those would be little bonusy things. So if you want to learn those two things, please send me an email and let me know, and I will maybe get on it after school starts. Because right now, until school starts, I ain't doing much else. It's already weird. All right, you guys. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the show. I think I covered everything. I talked about uh, why I made them, went into making them, who were they for, did all that. Uh, just remember my next show, I'm going to have the two SharePoint guys back to back, which will be super cool. And one of the SharePoint guys is the one that turned me on to that Harmon.ie program, which I'm going to put in the notes again. Uh, that is just a nifty little program. And we and him are going to go through some of the, some of the, um, how to use it and stuff like that. Cause I want you guys to see it. Yep. And I am going to be affiliate link in that for shiz. All right, you guys, I think that's it. So let's recap real quick here. Uh, if you want to check out my eBooks, call that girl.biz slash publications has all the books. The Outlook training videos are on a separate site because like I said, I want branded call that girl, outlooktraining.biz. And there you could sign up to be an affiliate. Um, there's a link at the bottom that puts you right through the system. You get your affiliate link right away. You can start putting it out there. Uh, group sales. If you're going to do a group sale uh, to sell them or to give them away or whatever, email me, Lisa, call that girl.biz. I can talk to you about, um, about previewing the videos first because this is going to be, you know, a, a purchase of uh, not just 50 bucks. Uh, I'm probably going to go around 500, but I, mean, I think that's decent because you'll get your sales back in 10 videos, right? And, and then after that, it's give away, do whatever you want with them. You are never allowed to upload them to torrents or YouTube or anywhere else that's public. I'm just letting you guys know. I, I kind of been watching the analytics there to see how things are going, but you actually can't download them either. Just to let you know uh, if you're just uh, buying them off the site there because they're from Vimeo and it keeps them there. All right, and also if you want to hire me to help you guys with anything, you can reach me at Lisa call that girl biz. And don't forget to email Steve Harris if you want to talk to him about being a reseller or a partner. You can email him sharris at appriver.com. Uh, of course, I'm gonna put out the Facebook group links in the show notes to 
uh, grab the um, links to the IT business owners group. You can join there. Well, that group's getting some good action. Almost 400 people. And my uh, my Office 365 group has like 170. So we're getting there. We're getting there. And uh, remember all the old shows are at callthatgirl.biz slash Office 365. And I think that is the close of the show there, gang. I want to um, thank Mitch for uh, helping with the audio there. I lost my closing notes. So, of course, I'm going to have to wing that. I think I deleted them. I, yeah, yeah, I did. Well, anyway, I'll just try to remember. This has been a Heyman Hendrickson production. Thank you to Mitch for being my support uh, audio guy there. And um, <laughs> I feel silly. I don't know how to close my show without my notes. But uh, if you need me for anything, just email me, Lisa, call that girl, that business. See you next show. Thanks, gang.